and welcome to the Israel Daily News Podcast. I'm your host, Shanna Fold. I'm here to give you the headlines so you can get caught up quickly. You're listening, so you're already on top of your game. Survive and thrive, people. Knowledge is the best weapon. Today is Thursday, January 14th, 2021, which means we have a special interview at the end of the show. We continue our Women in Israel miniseries. That segment is for good vibes only. Now, let's get to the news. Yesterday, the plan for a new U.S. embassy was approved by the Jerusalem Municipal Building and Planning Committee. The embassy will be built on Derech Hebron in Jerusalem. That's a street in Jerusalem. Those involved still need approval from a district council, but that is expected to pass easily. There will also be an extension built on the current temporary embassy that's in the Arnona neighborhood in Jerusalem. The city's mayor, Moshe Leon, calls this a historic and exciting moment and says it will inspire other countries around the world to move their embassies to the capital of Jerusalem as well. The government may be rolling out what they're calling green passports for those vaccinated against COVID-19 once lockdown measures start to ease up. The lockdown is set to end on January 21st, but officials warn it will probably be extended since Israel has been reaching record highs in daily confirmed infections. The green passport document, which is being spearheaded by the health ministry, will be given to Israelis who have received a vaccine or recovered from the virus. Those who have the document would be allowed to attend large gatherings and cultural venues. The ministry has also said that those who test negative for COVID-19 can receive a temporary green passport for 72 hours. That's three days. So if you test negative for COVID-19, you get a green passport for 72 hours. Sharon Alroy Price, the head of the ministry's public health service division, says 73% of Israelis who are over the age of 60 or have other high-risk factors have already been vaccinated with at least one of the two shots. She points out that the process has been slower in the Arab and ultra-Orthodox communities since these groups are often more skeptical of mainstream measures. The latest number given by officials for total vaccinations is 1,910,330, which is about 20% of the population. There are between 9 million and 10 million people living in Israel today. Though officials say 1,900,000 have been vaccinated, just Tuesday, Prime Minister Netanyahu held a ceremony to celebrate the 2 millionth person to be inoculated. I'm going to take a moment away from the news to ask you to support this show. You can send over a monthly contribution if you're enjoying this report and think that it brings you value. There's a link in the show notes on the podcast where you can send a $5 or $10 monthly contribution to support the work that goes into this show. The site is anchor.fm backslash Israel Daily News backslash support. You can also refer this show to two friends or leave a review of it on Apple Podcasts. Also, follow us at israeldaily.news on Instagram, as well as Shanna Fold. That's S-H-A-N-N-A-F-U-L-D. My name is spelt with two N's, and I'm very sensitive about that. So you can find me on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Shanna Fold. You can also find the Israel Daily News on Facebook and Instagram as well. Now, let's get back to the news. And of course, with so many people inoculated, there has to be some mishaps right? 
Well, one 67-year-old patient in Israel was accidentally injected with five times the amount of COVID-19 vaccination that she was supposed to be. She was taken to a hospital just in case, but doctors say it's no big deal. During trials, patients were tested with extra vaccine and nothing happened to them. They say it's an easy mistake to make because typically nurses are injecting full vials into the arms of patients. This time, since only a small amount is needed, it can be tough to remember to separate the liquids accurately. Mayhem was reported and videotaped in Jerusalem's Mea Sharim neighborhood when police came in to break up illegal schooling. Right now, Israel is under a full lockdown, and that has forced schools to close. But many remained open in this Orthodox Jewish neighborhood and other Orthodox Jewish neighborhoods around the country. And when officers came to investigate further, the community came out and tried shooing them away, dancing and clapping as a form of intimidation. One officer was seen on video with egg yolk on him, and another officer was caught on camera kicking a small boy in his behind to get him out of the way. No legal penalties have been reported as a result of those schools remaining open. Transportation Minister Miri Regev was photographed at a ministry office birthday party on Tuesday with more than 12 employees, a clear violation of the national lockdown rules. The lockdown, which Regev herself voted in favor of, limits indoor gatherings to just five people. Regev's office later explained that she was only at the event for a short time and that she told the workers to obey the restrictions. But nobody in the photo was keeping social distancing orders or wearing a mask. A statement from her office says that the photographed are essential workers who work together as a pod in the workplace. Regev has been seen breaking a lockdown before when she attended an event in July with more than the maximum number of people permitted. But she's not the only minister who's been caught disobeying the rules over the past year, showing that even officials are struggling to fully adopt all the regulations that have been rolled out. Israel Hayom, a newspaper that was actually funded by the late Sheldon Adelson, who just passed away this week, has a big scoop on their front page. They say Israel is in the process of planning an attack on Iran that would wipe out its nuclear program. The paper reports that IDF Chief of Staff Aviv Kohavi is asking for three proposals to review, all of which would derail Tehran's program. If the operation would involve a full military strike, he would allegedly need to get a big boost in funds for the IDF. And finally, we have this week's Women in Israel series. We've been doing Thursday live shows on Facebook where we bring in interesting female immigrants who have moved to Israel and started something new. This week, we spoke with Tracy Alexander, who hails from Australia. She's worked as a news reporter and anchor for around 10 years and decided she wanted to heal people so that there would be less disturbing news to report. She's forging her own business as a mental health and meditation coach, teaching people how to feel better and talk to themselves more kindly. Here's the audio from today's live show, which aired on my personal Facebook page, as well as the Israel Daily News Facebook page. So welcome to the show, Tracy. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So get us started. Give us the backstory. We want to know where you started and how you got to where you are today. Right. So I suppose if we start just with the journalism element, which is what you introduced, I did study it. But my intention with journalism was to actually work in documentaries. 
The reason being, I have always been fascinated by the human condition. I love telling stories and especially stories that help us better reflect on ourselves as a humanity and, of course, open our eyes to our behaviours and ways that we can either be grateful for what we have or identify areas that we can better serve our community because that's what I believe uh, life is all about. So I actually did start in docos, but then uh, when I moved into state back in Australia with my uh, then boyfriend, I kind of fell into the news. I got a job at a, uh, a commercial radio network called Fox FM, which I suppose is kind of like um, Kiss FM in, in America. And so reading these kind of short bursts of stories and what kind of was happening locally and what Kim Kardashian might have been up to wasn't really the kind of thing that got me going, as fun as it was, of course. And then my boss kept offering me jobs in television, but it didn't really appeal to me at the time for other reasons. And it wasn't until they offered me a job in a small country town in Australia as a video journalist that uh, my interest was piqued. And this job actually meant that I could produce and film and edit and present almost like two mini docos a day. And obviously it was quite an adventure uh, to move to live in the country being from the city of Sydney myself. And this is where I really fell in love with the visual part of storytelling. So before I moved to Israel, I was actually working as a state correspondent for the Today Show in Adelaide, which is where I ended up after that job. And I ended up in Israel also by chance because my plan was actually to move to London um, after that job at the Today Show because I was kind of looking for something more meaningful in my work, I suppose, very similar to you who really likes to give back with your work. And again, I was kind of finding local news in Australia as lucky we, as we are over there, somewhat thin, you know, and I really wanted to tell deeper stories. Then when my best friend who lives in Israel got wind of the fact that I wanted to move, she sent my showreel to that network you mentioned in Israel. And when they called me, I really was kind of shocked because I was I remember getting my hair done and I answered the phone from this strange number and they said, uh, hey, uh, this is uh, Adar, we've seen mm. your show, uh, when can you get here? And I was like, <laughs> such a bizarre question, where are you calling from, who are you? Well, that's a real that kind of led me to doing a, a, a series of kind of very interesting screen tests in the middle of the night uh, because of the time difference in Australia. And within a few weeks, then I moved here to Israel and I worked in the news for about four years. Wow, what a story and what a great friend that you have who who <laughs> took it upon herself to send out your showreel. Yeah, selfishly, I guess. <laughs> for her. Well, was she in Israel? Yeah, she wanted me to move um, to Israel for herself, yeah. Okay, right. So that makes a lot more sense. But still, it's a, it's a big undertaking to um, bring somebody's real and, and take it upon yourself and send something out. So and I apologize that I'm sitting in the dark as well, because the power just went out a minute before we went live. So I'm just using the screen. We totally forgot to address that. And I think yeah. it was so funny. So we we right at uh, maybe 10.55 a.m. I'm in, I'm in New York right now. Your power went out five minutes to showtime, but you're still here and you're still with us. And you look great and you have light on your face. So you're doing great. Thanks. The show must go on, hey? The show must go on. So how did you transition out of news? And tell us about what you're doing right now. So why I transitioned out of news, I suppose it was a combination of things because um, when I moved to Israel, I had these, you know, I, I suppose somewhat idealistic high hopes of being able to 
try and better tell the narrative of Israel uh, to an international audience because I'd seen how it was presented on the news in Australia and I knew having been here a few times before and having done army training here that there was a deeper story than what was being portrayed uh, to international audiences and hard to understand when you don't have this requisite um, context um, or interest in learning the deeper context. So based on the structure of TV news, I quickly came to see how constrained we are, I suppose, within these minutes of, um, of blocks of, of, of airtime. Air so I, we, we struggle in television news to really convey the depth of a story in a region as complex as this with the appropriate amount of context, which I suppose as a journalist and someone that de is deeply passionate um, about the people that live here, it can become quite disheartening when you feel that you're almost doing a disservice to the stories that you're telling, no matter which side of the aisle you're um, talking about. And even further, you feel like you're even further entrenching that feeling of division or anger or frustration or hopelessness that people are feeling living in what is, you know, a conflict zone. So I felt kind of limited in that respect, and especially in a climate of diminishing resources and diminishing manpower, it's really challenging to kind of do the journalism that I felt personally I could stand by. And then also, when even when I had my own hourly show every single night, it was called Perspectives, and I really wanted to take this name and be able to show all the different kinds of perspectives and the views we don't normally address when looking at um, news stories. I started to feel even more disheartened because the state of the world just felt so bleak, especially when you're reporting on not only the Middle East and its surrounds, but just as you can, you've, been, you've, got, you've all been living it for the past, you know, four right. years. And I could see there was so much pain and so much anger and so much division. And I came to see the stories that we're reporting on really just as a manifestation of the way we're feeling as a collective and as individuals. And I was feeling personally really sad and disempowered um, and that's the story for another time. But eventually it got to a point where I felt that by working in the news that I wasn't contributing to the world in a way that felt right to me. It felt like, you know, the news headlines were simply telling these stories about how angry and sad and scared and divided we are. And while we might feel informed, are we really feeling empowered, you know? Okay. So very, very long story short, on the side, I've been running um, meditation and mindset courses in my spare time. Because I've taken one. I went in one. Yes. Oh, well, yeah, you did that intro talk. Right. And these are actually more comprehensive courses. And I, it's because I had personally seen the enormous benefit that, um, that it had had in my life, both professionally and personally. And I wanted to help others with their feelings of stress, negative self-talk and confidence. And also because I know that mental health is so misunderstood. And as someone who had overcome clinical depression and anxiety in my early 20s, and that was a while ago, although I won't reveal my age, <laughs> not that I'm ashamed of it, I had always wanted to work more in this field, especially because in Australia, a staggering statistic is that suicide is the leading cause of death. Wow. Between 15 and 44, right. Oh so, my goodness, I just got chills all over. Yeah, exactly. And... Um, so effectively that was where i knew my heart lay and it was at that point that i put you know that at the center and i left the news because i felt that this was a better way ultimately of helping people feel better about themselves 
which then, you know, idealistically again, but maybe not, also flows into how they see and treat others. And if you continue to extrapolate that, this has a greater chance of leading to fewer of these horrible news stories that I was reporting on, because if we can heal one individual at a time, then perhaps that's a better kind of way of bringing us together. So now I teach meditation and I run mindset and self-belief courses. Well, I have to say that you are in the right place because the people who have these big ideas and passions and dreams about what they're going to do and how they're going to change the world, they are in Israel. They are in Israel. Um, of course, you could say that they're in major cities like that, you know, New York or London, but there are so many passionate people who really believe that they're going to change the world living in Israel. And not only do they believe that, but they are working on it. They are literally working on their dreams every day, just like you. So I think it would be really inspiring for us if you would share one successful one moment in your most recent journey, not news, but in your meditation courses and your help, your your coaching that you thought to yourself, wow, what I am doing is meaningful. It makes a difference. And this is this is what I consider success. I mean, already I know how, how effective the work is. I see it. I hear it from my clients every single day. Um, so I wouldn't even say it's within the work that I do. But just in terms of, for me, what feels like a, a, a successful moment is just making the change from from work from working in news to this whole new career path believing that i could let go of this decade-long career that i put so much into and making such a huge pivot into something else that felt more aligned so i suppose for me on a personal level like having the courage to build from scratch again and rebrand myself and move into being an entrepreneur which was new and daunting so I suppose that someone, anyone considering moving to Israel, they're doing that exact same thing. They're tapping into that courage and that self-belief and that faith. So don't forget, if you're moving to Israel, already have how much you've already conquered just by making the move overseas. You're already successful just by having followed your heart, left behind your comfort zone and having faith in yourself and in the world that you will be supported and that you'll make it work. <laughs> That's beautiful. And I think that it is so true that people who make such a big jump and anybody who makes any kind of a jump, whether it's a career jump or a, a moving across the world jump, you have to give yourself a pat on the back sometimes. And I think that we don't do that enough because it's like you you get you get there, you get your feet on the ground, and then you're already on to the next. You're already ready to make your next move. So I think we sometimes forget to give ourselves that pat on the back that we need, that self-care, that self-love, that positive talk. So I think that's really important. Um, what would you say is um, what would you say is the key to success? Well, I actually wanted to add to that. Um, a, a really famous kind of life coach says you can't build upon success that you haven't acknowledged. So that's kind of what you were talking about. Um, Sorry, I so. like that a lot, and I'm going to use <laughs> that. And I'm going to yeah. take that with me because I think it's so important. So the question was, what I think is what's a key to for success in meditation? It could be in meditation, and it could be in business. Why don't you huh. Why don't you give us one of each if you can? Okay, well, I'll talk about meditation because I'll never miss the opportunity to talk about that. So the thing about meditation is that it's become almost a synonym. Oh, your lights are back. Yeah, there Fantastic. you go. See, 
talking about the thing that lights me up and the light comes back on. That's um, great. <laughs> I like the way you saw that. Yeah. So, okay. So the thing about meditation is that it's kind of become a synonym for so many things, right? People, you know, say running is my meditation or surfing or painting is my meditation, <laughs> listening to guided relaxation on apps. And, and these are, of course, like super amazing things and they're super important for your mental health and well-being, but it's not really meditation per se. So what I really try and do is clear up myths around what meditation isn't, what it isn't, which I won't get into today. But what I teach is a technique that actually plunges the body into a state of deep rest. And that takes you beyond thinking so that the body, the actual physiology can enter and enter into a state of deep rest and repair. Meaning, and this is why it's very important, especially in this region where there's a lot of PTSD, that old stress imprints from the past which are responsible for the way that we interact with the world in the present can be dissolved from the body which is what brings about these benefits that meditation is so famous for right like improved mood and improved creativity and productivity and better sleep and you know all of it in increased immunity but just as importantly when we get rid of these backlogs of stress that is saturating the nervous system we can finally see ourselves and the world more clearly which is why i was talking about that pivot from news into meditation so then we don't respond to life with these mm -hmm. old redundant patterns which you know are the ones that cause us the pain and the chaos in our lives so as i said before effectively I believe that the quality of our mind determines the quality of our lives. So if we can have more people feeling safe and happy within themselves, the more safe and happy the world can be. So for the future, I just effectively want to teach as many people as I can the tools and techniques that I include in my courses. And so what I suppose, you know, oh, goodness, we <laughs> this on and off. It's like a, you know, just going here. So I suppose talking about, um, you know, success in business, I think it's taking it slow and not rushing, expecting to be where you want to be at the finish line today. I think sometimes we can self-sabotage by looking too far into the future. So that's a lot about like mindfulness, I suppose you would say about being in the present moment, because I call it the one, two, 50 syndrome where you know you take the first step you take the second step and then you look ahead at the 50th step where you want to be it looks far too complicated to get there and so you stop but if you just look ahead of you at the next step you need to take well it's a very short jump and i think it works that same way in business and i think we can apply that principle to all areas of our lives that's beautiful and i think that that's really important for any single person to hear no matter what business that they're in no matter what they're working on um, i think that that's great final question for you um what is your big advice to immigrants who are in israel whether they've been in israel for five years or whether they've been in israel for five minutes oh there's so much i mean one is just enjoy the journey don't take take things too seriously do a lot of deep breaths <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose um, in business, we'll stick to that. If you are coming from another country and you don't speak Hebrew, I suppose the first thing to know is that that's okay. Most people speak some level of English in Israel and there's plenty of work for English speaking people. Um, so don't let that be a turn off. But 
if you're looking to only engage with an English speaking market, for example, and you're working in the online world, the idea, I suppose, is to have a global focus. And while there definitely is um, a big enough cohort of English speaking Olim here, and I'm obviously only talking about people that speak English that are moving here, um, there is a big enough cohort of, um, you know, English speaking Olim here to sustain you, depending on your goals, I'd say to leverage the global reach of the internet if you want to expand your impact beyond just the local English speakers. <laughs> Amazing. Tracy, thank you so much for telling us about your journey, telling us what we need to hear, which is give ourselves a pat on the back, uh, acknowledge your success before you move forward, and um, and also just give yourself a some support knowing that you've made a big change in your life or you've gone somewhere new. Um, thank you so much. Thank you for being with us and we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. All right. Well, that's it for today's news. Today is Thursday, January 14th, 2021. Tel Aviv has a low of 13 degrees Celsius and a high of 18 degrees. That's 56 degrees Fahrenheit for the low, going up to 64 degrees for the high. It's pretty rainy today in Israel, and it's supposed to be raining for the next few days. Subscribe to the Israel Daily News podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing it from. I am everywhere. Don't forget to sign up for the Israel Weekly News Wrap. It's a newsletter with the top five stories coming out of Israel from the past week. You'll also get the Cliff Notes version of our original stories, investigations, and interviews. You can sign up by using the link in the show notes. Thank you, Candace Cohen and Orion Filovich, for your contributions to the research and writing. They are cooking up some original reports that you will be hearing about next week. I'll send you off into the weekend with Flying High by Erica Crawl. She's a talented musician and DJ who uses household items to make the unusual noises and sounds you hear in her electronic tracks. Have a great and productive day and a Shabbat Shalom.
Why? Wow. 